0: Welcome to machine learning. Hyperparameters. So, one thing you can do with hyperparameters is you can put it in a logistics regression, uh, do your train-test split, and then do your fit on the x uh, x train and y train then get the coefficients Uh, so in one array get the column names and the way you do that is X dot columns and then you can zip the column names together with the coefficients and uh, form a list and then you can take the uh, the coefficients, the the names, the names will be like the joint, uh, and uh, create a um, create a um, a, da- a data frame. So you can create a data frame from that uh, from that uh, from the coefficients, and then. Out, out uh, display it that was a really nice technique because I was able then to see which variables were contributing to the models accuracy and again we were looking at credit card defaults so, so it looked like what was happening is that uh, it, um they wanted to know if the first month of not paying was a strong indicator that they would probably default. So one mispayment um, by banks probably should be the highest penalty. I mean, you know, some something that really jump or catch the person's attention because that they're at a higher risk of default that first month. And then uh, the third third month of usage. So um, maybe what the credit card should do is in the in the third month, if they haven't paid, uh, then just cut off all the all the credit line. Just move the credit line to zero, and uh, and then uh, uh, work with the individual to uh, to make their payment. But it doesn't seem to be the pattern and it may be because of the nature of unsecured debt that uh, you know they're expecting a certain level of default and uh, and loss. or they sell the debt uh, at a certain discount and then let's say uh, that becomes someone else's problem to collect the money. But uh, one other factor seems to be a effect is their education level. They have a very low education level. Have a high, that's a high contributing factor. And also their age. And so the, you know, looking and analyzing what age the individual is to have a credit card is a risk. And I find it really strange that uh, that anyone who is below the age of 18 can have a credit card because there's a certain level of uh, accountability that needs to occur. And, uh, and you know, we don't let minors form contracts. So uh, in order for them to, to sign and form a contract, Uh, would require a certain certain level of accountability or or understandability and so I I guess all these things are subject to change but in my general estimation that that that's the reason why miners shouldn't have credit cards but they do and it's it's a very strange uh, it's a strange act in my mind because uh, in order to have debt you need to have a form of income and you have to have a way, um, uh, you have to be, be able to um, have the ability to make those those type of uh, decisions. And you know, you, see, you hear about credit cards that, that have upper limits of over $50,000. And that's just, does not sound good. When I look at uh, exponential compounding or compound interest, and I've even put like $22,000 in, and I can, I can put in, it's an uh, exponential function, and I can put in uh, into the equation the number of years that I wanna pay this the debt off I can see my payments monthly payments and they're huge. So if you had $22,000 in debt and you were making a thousand dollars a month payment, you could calculate how many years it would take to pay off that debt. Um, So we, you know, we do, we do buy things on debt like cars, homes, education, but at the time we may not think about how much pain will that be to repay? In other words, how many years of taking a large percentage of your income uh, and paying on that debt? If you paid the minimum debt, it could take you 30 years or 20 years to pay off that debt. So you really, To pay the minimum payment is uh, a very bad idea. You want to always make debt as painful as possible, and that is to pay as much as you possibly can on that debt to reduce it down and pay it off. If you don't have money, you don't have a right to spend and the re- the way you know that is that when you're out of money, you cannot buy. Now, credit cards tend to defy that rule because you're extended credit on future earnings. In other words, you are given money now and you're going to re- they're going to receive a percentage of the money that you're going to make in the future for usage of the money now. And companies often operate on that. They, they borrow money uh, from banks for day to day operations. There are certain times of the year that they have high expenses and then they capitalize on their income at uh, other parts of the year so they pay off those debts. So they're they're borrowing uh, to for operations of one part of the year and then they're paying off the debt on those on that uh, servicing that debt on another part of the year. So going back to hyperparameters, you get those coefficients, you can put a, or you can sort them and look at them in a list and get an idea of the factors, the features that are important uh, the next thing you can do is variance, and see how far they vary. The features vary from the mean, and that will give you an idea uh, of, of, of what, uh, how much that feature is going to contribute. And the other thing too is you can put it in a confusion matrix, and then get rid of uh, the duplicate part of the matrix, and then see which, uh, which uh, variables are not contributing to the overall model efficiency or outcomes, and then just remove those features without uh, having major impact to the model. For example, if, you're, if you have something that is basically the same, like if you had you know, weight in kilograms versus pounds, You don't need both units because you're covered by pounds. And so you could put everything in pounds, same with inches and feet. You could keep everything either in inches or or put everything into feet. So those features don't contribute to the overall uh, model's accuracy. Well, it's interesting to think about like what we're talking about here is failure. So failure to service debt and you know, it could be also predictable. Let's say that if you had in equipment um, you had their maintenance and you were looking for major Uh, maintenance and repair costs so major maintenance and repair costs on particular types of equipment then you could track that and build a time series with it and you probably want to put it since it's a continuous data you could probably then do some sort of i would say not a higher normal order polynomial but probably a lower order polynomial maybe a second or possibly a third order polynomial and and do a forecast try to predict where in the future that this part or this particular type of equipment might break and so if you know if you get more confidence in the accuracy of those predictions then as equipment gets to a certain age uh, it might be a time for maintenance, depending on the cost of the repairs. It might be. It might require maintenance. Might be also true too of uh, other things like incidences related to some sort of failure, like in the aspect of safety. You could uh, you could look at. The number of incidents that are occurring per year, the type, um, what what they related. There's basically certain types of accidents: there's falls, uh, electrical shock, uh, being cut by or injured by equipment, and there's things that where you just basically didn't do anything wrong, but there were injury that occurred like for example, you were picking up something that was heavy and then after you had done that, uh, you had pain in the back or you had some sort of injury related to normal work environment where there was nothing that was done that was um, abnormal but there was still an injury to occur. Well, I was watching in uh, yesterday on Walmart, I was reading how Walmart is looking for, to see they're doing, using AI to watch uh, checkers as they're processing the shopping cart items. For missed items so I guess it's watching the table as it's doing the scan and it's watching uh, the digital display to see if there's something that they missed because apparently there's a large amount not a large amount but there are occurrences where a teller will scan an item but it will not register it and then Uh, so the customer gets that item for free. They're also using, Walmart's also using uh, AI to detect when uh, a product area is vacant. So like if a consumer comes along and picks up a package of meat, then the AI detects that there's a certain percentage of blue surface underneath. And when that occurs, then it knows that that slot is now empty, highlights it, and uh, notifies uh, that that item needs to be replenished. It doesn't automatically put the item into place, so uh, the, it's, it does require human intervention. Um, I did watch that they were trying to come up with a way for automated restocking using robots and it didn't look like it was fast enough to do the restocking so I know that they're probably using some automation to move uh, pallets into certain places for workers to restock items and so cut down the amount of walking that an employee has to do. And, uh, and putting products on site according to uh, need, so that the consumer uh, has the product that they want uh, when they they go to the store. And also, it was interesting to see that they use um, a lot of predicting, like you know, when when will this product possibly be uh, depl- depleted? Uh, at a certain time of the year a certain time of day uh, and just kind of ch- keeping track of the frequency of consumption or Purchases and then making predictions uh, where things need to be re- uh, Replenished so like if you, you know cereal in the morning is, is consumed uh, a lot of people are buying cereal boxes in the morning then they want to make sure that there's a lot of uh, of of that particular brands of cereal in stock for replenishment. So those kind of things that uh, they can experiment with and they're trying to understand, you know, what people are buying online and what they're buying in the store.